I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Do you remember your middle school years? I sure do. They were awkward and uncomfortable. I was insecure and I wanted people to like me. My body was doing weird things right around the time when I was trying to navigate new social expectations. Thank goodness we didn't have social media back then because I think I would be a hot mess. As my kids entered this stage, I tried to put myself in their shoes and remember what it was like. I encouraged them and did my best to share with them some of my experiences and what I learned along the way. I think it helped, but it did not eliminate all their struggles. However, more than my wisdom, my kiddos needed God's truth about their worth and value to get them through those years. Today's guests, Lynn Cowell and Michelle Niedert, wrote Loved and Cherish, 100 Devotionals for Girls. They believe that if a girl knows how much she's loved by God, that they'll be able to withstand the trials that cause negative thinking, particularly in those tween years. In our conversation, we talked about the prevailing issues that girls 8 through 10 years of age are dealing with today and how building a foundation of love in the life of a girl changes everything. After this episode, I want you to think about one thing you would tell your middle school self. Write it down, and then if appropriate, share it with your tween. Are you struggling to keep track of everything that's going on in your family? I get it. Managing everyone's expectations and schedules can be challenging. However, a regular family meeting can change that. These weekly check-ins enable you to approach each week with purpose and more connected to one another. If you need help getting started, download our free family meeting packet, which includes sample agendas and discussion topics. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com to get your copy today. Today, I'm talking with Lynn Cowell and Michelle Needhart. Lynn is part of the Proverbs 31 Ministries speaker and writing team. As the author of several books written for women of all ages, her newest book is Loved and Cherish 100 Devotionals for Girls. Lynn calls home North Carolina, where she and her husband Greg and the occasional backyard deer are adjusting to life as just us. Along with their three adult children, the cows love hiking, rafting, and anything combining chocolate and peanut butter. Michelle provides expertise using her over 20 years of experience as the clinical director of a large counseling center, previous school district crisis counselor, and current private school mental health consultant. Her work on parenting, mental health, and faith is widely recognized. She provides practical solutions, real-life examples, and joins her audience in the parenting trenches, raising two school-aged children. Welcome, Lynn and Michelle, to the podcast. It is fantastic to be here with you both today. Thanks for having us. We are so excited to be here. Absolutely. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? So I've never even thought about this. I had to take a poll. I like literally saw your question and I sent it out to my people and they said, and my husband, I asked him and he says, 
I try not to be known for anything. And that, (laughs) if you knew my husband, you would know how true that is. And then he said, you know, it's weird. Our family is kind of known for our individuality. Like you're known as a mental health expert. Our daughter's real into praise and worship. Our son's kind of a science geek. But I, so I said, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta answer this question. So they, the answer that came back and I liked it was authentic welcoming and fun because we are the family. Like you can come in our house and it's half a mess, but if the theater kids, can we have a party at your house? Cause I hop is closed. We're like, yeah, come on. You know, parents pick them up at midnight or else we're leaving them on the doorstep. And that's kind of how we roll. So yeah. I would say that our family is known for loving all kinds of people. So when our kids were young, it didn't matter what your friend was like, you can bring them here and we're going to love them and they can have dinner here, whatever. It doesn't matter what your friend is like. And how I've seen that played out as, as our kids have grown up is that we're all a bunch of social work type people. So my middle daughter, is getting ready to get her PhD in social work. My youngest daughter, her master's in social work. And my husband has a degree in social work. And I am working with incarcerated um, women. And so it's it's interesting to see how what you're known for changes, you know, as you, as you grow up and the dynamics of your family change. Oh, and then my son just got engaged. And my daughter in love to be is a therapist. Oh, wow. Well, she fits right in. <laughs> I tease her all the time. She just can't get away from us as hard as she tries, you know, and then her co-author is a counselor. She just can't stop. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But that's how God works. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you guys wrote a book together, actually a devotional. It was written for girls around the ages of eight and 12. So when you were in the beginning phases of this book, when you were doing the research and writing it, what did you find were the prevailing issues that girls with that age deal with? Because you wanted to address those issues. Mm -hmm. Right. So of course, not all teens deal with with different struggles. And, and a lot of these struggles will depend on their maturity level, as well as what they're exposed to. You know, do they have older kids in the house, older siblings? Do they not? You know, are they more independent? But here, here's a few. First is depression and anxiety. And I believe that this has really been heightened during the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. signs of that can be pulling away from friends, trouble sleeping, or a change in eating habits. And I really miss this sign in my daughter, especially with the trouble with sleeping. I just had no idea that that trouble with sleeping can be a sign of depression and anxiety. And I completely missed it when she had her first panic attack because I had no idea what it looked like. And so I I just had no idea what what that could be. A second one can be body changes and and body image. So youth can really struggle with their weight changing, say they're dealing with obesity or they're growing faster than their peers or slower than their peers. And all of these can cause them to face social issues and have trouble fitting in. My oldest daughter was five foot six when she was eight. So in third grade, she was the same height as I am. So she was taller than, of course, every other third grader in the entire school, but she was also taller than her teacher. And that really brought on some early onset struggles with self-esteem, which Mm. is another struggle, is self-esteem. And in self-esteem, you know, that has a poor foundation in these years can have a really long lasting impact. And then a final one is risk-taking. You you wouldn't think maybe risk-taking, but 
they're trying to find their own identity and express themselves. And this can come out through risk-taking. And that could be even early binge drinking, having sex, trying to use substances like inhalants. Remember when we went through the whole Tide Pod thing that was just so strange or taking chances with their own safety. During these years, my son was always gravitating toward extreme sports, skateboarding, karate, roller hockey. And in fact, later on, he ended up playing rugby. And so all of these, that one was really my fault. I was the one who signed him up for rugby. (laughs) But all of these are just ways that a tween is really leaving those early, early um, years and trying to create their own identity and figure out who am I? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see, I, I can see that my, I have a now 16 year old and an almost 18 year old, and I've seen the changes that they've gone through, you know, identity wrapped up in their body type, you know, the, the pull and tug of culture and peer pressure and the needing to belong. And even this need to, I don't know if you've seen this, to just be available all the time to one another. I mean, it is probably my biggest thing that I'm trying to deal with, with my daughters is like, you, you, it's okay. Like you don't need, you you know, I think they think their social standing will change if they're not available all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We call that the counseling office, the fear of missing out. Yeah. So they are so scared that they're not going to be included in something and that might leave them on the outside of their circles. Mm -hmm. So they're always looking to see what's going on in their text groups and different things like that, because they want to make sure they're part of the experience, because if it's being talked about and they're not, then they're left out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. So the title of your book is Loved and Cherished. And you wrote this book because you wanted to girls to know that they are loved and cherished. So let's talk about the benefits of building that foundation of love when it comes to our girls. A lot of people have asked me, why would a mental health professional get involved in a girl's devotional? But I was so attracted to this concept when Lynn and I began to discuss it, because I know as a mental health professional, the difference identity makes in kids being able to manage mental health issues that come along. So we knew that when a girl knows she is loved, she's going to be able to withstand those middle school struggles that none of us want to go back and repeat, (laughs) right? For example, feeling awkward and insecure. This is the age, the research says, when girls go from feeling unaware of what everybody else thinks of them, to having this implied audience psychologically mm-hmm. where they think everyone is noticing everything. And unfortunately, we've gone from an era of when a lot of us were in school, we were the smart girl or the athletic girl or the popular girl. And then the colleges started to talk about balanced applications. <laughs> and what that did to girls was made them feel like they needed to excel in every area of their yeah. lives. Yeah. And so all of a sudden they feel like, I'm coming up short in this area, or I'm getting rejected in this area, or I'm not as good as dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And when those kind of life disappointments, which, you know, the selection begins to narrow as they age, we see this. We felt like if girls could know your sense of self is not based on the world's view mm-hmm. of how you look, what you do, and who likes you, and how many people like you. Mm -hmm. But instead, it could be based 
on how much God loves you, and that's never going to change, then they would be able to withstand the trials that cause the negative thinking that lead to all the things Lynn talked Mm -hmm. about that I treat with my team every day in our Dallas Mm -hmm. offices of anxiety, depression, severe insecurity, eating disorders, all of those things that we see in girl struggles are directly related. We always treat the sense of self. We always think about, you know, even women I work with, we can talk so mean to each other, ourselves. I I mean, we're so worried about mean girls, but I think we need to be worried about our mean voice that speaks to us. And we wanted to change those girls' voices before that mean voice grabbed onto them, took hold of them, and began to destroy them. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so good. You were talking about sometimes we're the mean voice. I was playing tennis with a friend of mine and I missed the ball or I did something or I was frustrated with myself and I said something and she goes, don't talk to my friend that way. And I was like so taken aback because it took me a second to realize what she was actually saying. And and I was like, oh, okay, okay. And she's right, right? Because we would never talk to a friend that way, but yet we, we, we do this to ourselves sometimes. And so for young girls to be able to understand that, to identify that and then switch course, I think is so important. For sure. So what are some of the ways that we as adults inadvertently miscommunicate with our children that leads them to believe that they aren't loved and cherished? You know, because it's not just, you know, remembering how to fill them up, but also recognizing when we're doing the reverse of that. Exactly. You know, I think as parents, it would never be our intent to link love with performance but we can do it so easily. Mm-hmm. So when praise, approval, and attention come after a good report card, a favorable response to chores or correction, when it comes following a great sports, musical, or acting performance, all of these situations and more say to our child, I love you when you act well, when you perform well. And we also communicate this link between performance and love when we correct or punish without the reminder that we love our child, no matter how they perform and nothing they could ever say or do will change that. So these words are important, but even more important than the words is the supporting evidence that this is true. The the evidence that through our actions toward them, that our children are wildly loved, no matter how they behave. And, and as I was thinking through the answer to this question, I, w- I was thinking to myself, doesn't that sound like Jesus? Doesn't that exactly sound like the way that Jesus acts toward us, that you and I are always wildly loved with the same amount all the time, every day, no matter how we behave as well. And while that is, that is a hard thing to be conduits of the perfect love of Jesus, we have the capacity because the Holy Spirit lives within us. And if we rely on the Holy Spirit to help us to love our children as he loves us, then we can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, you know, sometimes I'll say things and I'll realize that I'm putting the wrong emphasis you know, I'm I'm emphasizing the wrong thing. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up in a home where anytime I looked really nice, I was mm-hmm. praised. And even like, and that, and I see that now, like as a grown up, I see that that's the way my grandmother was with my mom. And that's the way that my mom was with me. And I joke around, like I'll be doing Facebook lives and she'll text me, where's your lipstick? Like oh, your mom. hair looks nice today, but I didn't know you cut it. And I'm like, mom, now is not the time. <laughs> 
And like, I'm used to it now and I'm, I'm mature enough and old enough now to know that's just how she's loving me. But for years, it felt like disappointment. Right. It didn't feel like love. So I had to get to a place where I know that I know that I know that I know she loves me in order to be okay with that response. But I think young kids, they, they, they can't sift through that yet. You know, mm-hmm. it's extremely difficult for them to do that. And how much greater if we we were able to raise them in a place where they didn't have to sift through that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just being mindful of that and with the words that are coming out of our mouth and what is it, what kind of value is it conveying for sure? You know, I, I want to go back um, to Michelle's answer, answer earlier about, you know, this idea of needing to be everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so grateful having gone through the college application process this year, a lot of the advisors are saying, we want you not to do 10 th- different things. We can see through that. We want you to do one or two really cool, unique things where you are all in. And so I'm grateful that that's the messaging. And it goes along with, you know, the work that we're doing with family culture is I'm constantly reminding families, just pick one or two things, do those on purpose and do them well. And then it takes your eyes off of what everybody else is doing. Like that need to compare yourself disappears when you start to pursue what's important to you, you know, full on. And so that was a good reminder of that as well. Okay. So what are the differences that you see in the lives of girls that do and don't believe that they are loved? We touched a little bit on this already, but why don't you guys unpack this a little bit more? All right. So when a girl feels unloved, mm-hmm. first of all, she's desperate. She's desperate to perform, to get people's approval. She's desperate to achieve at a level that often creates exhaustion. Mm-hmm. They're also devastated when things don't go well. And we can't control everything. So it it puts them on the roller coaster of up when I'm good and people like me and down when I'm when I'm not on my best and or maybe something we can't control. Not everybody can win that one spot. You know, Lynn and I were up for an award. We were up against six really great authors with the book. Not everybody can be the winner. And, mm-hmm. and, and if our self-worth was based on that, we'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and then also, I think what we're seeing in our culture is when they get desperate and devastated, it can lead to despair. Mm-hmm. And the kind of despair that even makes them think life would be better if I wasn't in it. We have teen suicide rates going up, yeah. but I want to give the hope side for sure. Yeah. So girls who feel loved. And this is what we're so excited because we're getting feedback. We're getting notes from mamas and these girls. And it's it's just been so delightful. They feel confident. They're confident not in what they can do, but what God can do through them. Mm-hmm. And they're confident enough to know even when it's not perfect, it's good enough. They're resilient. You know, all of us are going to struggle well, fall forward, fail forward, however you want to say it. And that's what we see in the research, that kids that know they're loved are resilient to the trials that life brings, death in the family, divorce. And then kids who don't feel that, Mm. it's a totally different story and ending for them. And finally, I think the biggest thing, and this is what we need so bad in our nations for kids right now, and especially Gen Z. I was talking to Tim Elmore recently at a conference, and we were talking about, you know, the group he's researching and I interact with every day. And we were talking about how this generation has got to hold on to hope. 
that there is good to come. And that's what I think someone who is loved can do better. That when I know I'm loved, I can know that God's got great plans for my future. I can know he's got me. And that's what we want to just energize these girls with so that they can withstand, you know, I got a kid right now taking a final and yes, her mom is on her because, you know, she's right on the border and it's a GPA point. They can withstand the pressure. Yeah. They can withstand the results. And then hopefully if they have a parent, which I try to be, I want my children to be human beings, not human doings. So at the end of the day, the effort's been there. I've observed it. And whatever it is, is good enough. Yeah. And and that's the end of the conversation. Summer moves on and we relax and we enjoy. Yeah, that's good. All right. So we're going to wrap up. I want you to tell us a little bit more about, about the devotional, what it looks like, what it includes, and then how you think it'll help girls. Great. So. Loved and Cherished are 100 devotions written in a format that is really, really easy to use every day. In fact, I I thought about saying that and I thought, well, how easy is it? So (laughs) right before we got on, I read one and I personally read it in under two minutes. So that's pretty easy. They're under 800 words. So each day begins with scripture. And the reason each day begins with scripture is because mine and Michelle's desire is for young girls to learn very early on that the best way to begin each day is with God in his word. And I don't just mean reading words that other people write about God's word, but literally reading God's word that he has written himself. And so that's why the scripture for the day is written out in its entirety so that his word is read before any of our words are read. And then following the scripture, the passage is a devotion written by either Michelle or myself, and it may contain a story from when we were tweens. I dug through all my diaries to kind of go back in time and just remember what that season of life was like, or it would, it could contain a story about, you know, current daily life. And then those words are woven with God's words so that it helps a girl to understand what God's word means to her personally. And then the next piece is called Living Cherished, and this is the application point. So there might be a question for her to journal right there in the book, her thoughts, or or maybe even a prayer she has, or what she wants to do that day, or an action step for her to take that day. And then it ends with talking to God. We've heard from a lot that this is their favorite piece of, of the devotion for the day, because here we're hoping to teach girls the beginning principles of prayer, which is simply talking to God in an honest and authentic way. And, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of people using these on the car rides on the way to school or reading to their child as they're eating breakfast. And my favorite are you know, with having a a few minutes before they go to sleep at night and just setting that mind on the Lord so that they can rest well. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'll be honest, we've also had moms thank us. They need to be reminded of these truths. And as some of them are reading alongside their daughters, we have one on dreams. They need to keep dreaming. They, They need to cast their cares upon God because he cares for them. Those types of things appeal to them too. And Mm -hmm. We really did try to make this super practical. Like we use things I use in the counseling office to help kids with their struggles, like maybe carrying an object with them. And every time they touch it, it reminds them of God's love. 
creating a worry box where they can get a worry gobbler, I think is what we called it, where they can contain their worries. And and we have that exercise on the website as well. And so we really wanted to do more than just say, trust God. Yeah. Because I think, especially for Christian kids, they hear that a lot, but they don't know what it looks like. Yes. And I think Lynn and I were very committed into what we wrote. And then that living cherished section of really showing a girl what this could look like in her mm-hmm. life today. That's mm-hmm. good. Because I do think they need the practical and the tangible, especially at that age. I mean, I love it. I'm like, give me the how. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Give me the treatment plan. Give me three steps to do. And the others, you know, I have people say the other six days, 23 hours of counseling. What am I going <laughs> to do when I leave here? You know, and that's where change occurs. Yeah. And, and Lynn and I were so committed as we did the girls online camp. I love how Lynn told the girls um, before your feet hit the floor, like that's the time to decide what you're going to think, how you're going to feel and how you're going right. to connect with God. Yeah. Because after the feet hit the floor, they look in the mirror. Mom's yelling, you're running late. Yeah. You know, they look on social media if they're older and they're getting feedback there. We don't want that to, we don't want that to be our starting point and we don't want no. that to be their starting point. No. That's so good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I think this is a fantastic resource and I think it's going to impact a lot of girls. So I'm excited for you guys. You know, one thing, Kimberly, that we would love to share with the listeners today is we made these promise cards for them to to print out and they can carry with them. And it's God's scripture reminding them of how much they are loved. So if they go to lynncowell.com slash freebies, they can get those there and print them out for themselves or for their girl. Oh, good. I'm glad. And I will make sure to link to that in the show notes. I love prayer cards and reminders and those things that can keep it right in front of our eyes. Great. All right. Thank you, guys. You can find Lynn at lynncowell.com. She's on Facebook and Instagram as Lynn Cowell. You can find Michelle on Instagram as Michelle Needhurt. She's on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest as Michelle Needhurt as well. You can find their book, Loved and Cherished, on lovedandcherished.me. I will link to all of this in the show notes. If you want to dig deeper into what we talk about on the podcast each week, check out the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. It's where we hang out with some fabulous women and we practice what we've learned. There's also encouragement, group coaching, and incredible resources there too. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.